A wonderful good morning to every one of you. <clears throat> good morning. Praise God. It's good to be here. We have had a wonderful week uh, where we came here, at least uh, a good number of us, uh, the last few days, and we had a time, a wonderful time of prayer. And today we want to continue with uh, uh, our, our very important subject. You know, God wants to lead us into righteousness, and he wants to come and shower us with righteousness. So we, we want to continue today with uh, the scripture uh, that is actually a continuation from last Sunday. Last Sunday, the theme was the Radiant Church, Holy and Blameless. And today I've uh, used a different word. I said the making of the glorious church. Uh, the glorious and radiant church is one and the same thing. You know, it just shows us the, the, the glory of God, the, uh, the radiance of the glory of God. And uh, we want to take time to study this this morning. Uh, I want to begin reading uh, from the book of Ephesians, a scripture that I read even last week. And it's very important that we uh, capture the, the essence of this, of this scripture. Now here we are having a comparison uh, where God is requiring men to be like Christ. In fact, uh, Ephesians 5 has got that uh, passage of uh, uh, comparisons between the man and Christ and the church and Christ. Everything that God says we should be, he always refers back to Christ. Now, uh, for husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church, without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. <clears throat> Instead, she will be holy and without faults. This was uh, taken from the New Living Translation. This is a mes message to the, <clears throat> to the church of Laodicea. And uh, Lord Jesus is speaking to them, and he says, you say, <clears throat> I'm rich, I have acquired wealth. I do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes, discipline, so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Let us pray. Lord our God, we want to thank you so much for this opportunity for us to be together, to study your word, and Lord, we pray, let this word become real to our minds and to our hearts. Lord, let it become a word that shows us where you want to take us, where you want to change us, where you want to uh, be more present in our innermost being. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your presence, and we are grateful, Lord, that you always take the time to speak to us with words of love, words to direct us, words to uh, bring us to the place where you have made our destiny. So, Lord Jesus, we look up to you even this morning, and we ask you, Lord, touch our lives, and our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. When God speaks <clears throat> about his great plan, <clears throat> we must always remember that he's not speaking of wishful hopes and dreams, but he speaks of things that are on his agenda. And whatever is on the agenda of God, it will come to pass. <clears throat> He's not a human being like us who have got so many ideas 
and uh, so many dreams, and most of them, along the way, we forget about them. What God plans, he's going to do. That was our subject for last year, and we continue this uh, subject this year that he wants to accomplish in your life and in my life, he has the power to do so. God can never be hindered to work out that which he wants to do in your life, not by the devil, not even by our own shortcomings. The only thing that can stop God from achieving his purpose in our life is our will. If we say we don't want, then God will respect that. But because we are children of the Most High God, because he loves us and he has brought us from, you know, where we have come out from the darkness of this world into his kingdom, he will not even take a no as an immediate uh, uh, point of reference to say, okay, I'm, I'm walking away. He knows that we human beings, sometimes we can be very stubborn. Just like our children at home, you know, uh, we, we sometimes need to uh, take time to convince them uh, to walk in the ways that are right. It's not always easy. So uh, God has a plan, and Satan cannot stop him. In fact, he hasn't got the power. In fact, God uses him even to fulfill his plan. Okay? We, we sometimes have the wrong idea that, you know, there's a big fight going on between God and the devil, and somehow, hopefully, you know, our side is going to win. Nothing, nothing at all could be further from the truth. Because God is standing alone. He has got no opposite. Okay? The devil is not the opposite. The devil is created. And the devil can only be able uh, uh, to, to function in the way God allows him to function. Now, if you are at loggerheads with the devil, think again. Because if God allowed the devil to do something in your life, you need to, you need to talk to God to have this thing come to an end and not to the devil. Many of us, we want to uh, go into fist fight with the devil. Actually, we are wasting our time. Okay? If you are hearing temptations from the from the evil one, then do what Christ did. You know, go to scripture and tell him it is written. Okay? Beat him not with your fist or with your muscles, because you can't. You know, none of, none of us is ever powerful enough to defeat the devil on our own. But we can defeat him through the word of God. When he defeated the power of darkness, not by uh, you know, uh, weaponizing himself with all kind of uh, weapons the world is, 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 is using, but he was just simply and calmly using the word, okay? When the devil came to tempt him, do this, do that, you know, uh, show yourself the, to be uh, the, the, the son of God, he just simply said, it is written. When the devil came to offer the kingdoms of this world to Jesus, he said, forget it, you know? Uh, I'm not worshiping you. I'm not going to bow before you because the targets must worship God only. So clearly, the devil is not our target. Please, once and for all, write this down somewhere in your Bible. You know, the devil is not my target, you know. Uh, the devil is not somebody you should be afraid of, okay, unless you give him room in your life, and then that is not a good idea. Okay, so uh, God is calling us to be walking in his way, and either we fit or we should quit. Okay? It's one of the two things. Jesus will never fail to take us where he has promised to take us. But if we quit, that's up to us. Okay? He will not be able to go against our will. When Satan, when, when Satan entered into Judas, and of course there was a reason for Satan to be able to enter into Judas. You should not be worried that he can enter into your life unless you are going into, into a, a, a deal with the devil, okay? Unless you are doing things that are 
totally contrary to the word of God. But otherwise, you should not be afraid that the devil can enter you. Now, Satan was beginning to find ways and means to deceive his master, Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he was deciding to sell him. He sell him out for 30 pieces of silver. And Jesus knew that. And he didn't really expel him. He didn't say, okay, you should not be here anymore. But when they were together for the last communion, you know, and uh, Judas was there, of course, he said, the one who is going to eat with me from this bread, he's going to betray me. And of course, everybody was wondering, who is this? Is it me? Is it the other one? You know, uh, Peter even said to John, please find out, who is it? Judas, what you have planned to do, do it fast. Then the other disciples thought, okay, because he was the man with the money, he needed to do some, make some preparations for, for the next few days. And uh, so Judas left. Now, Jesus knew that the devil had entered him, okay? And please, don't be a Judas. Don't allow the devil to enter you. You know, the devil cannot enter you if you are a child of God. If Christ is living in you, the devil cannot cross the boundary. It's impossible. But he can tempt you, just like he did with Jesus, you know? And temptation is not sin, but giving in to temptation. That is what sin is all about. So Satan entered into Judas, and Judas was going to plan the, 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 the arrest of Jesus. Why he did that, you know, we cannot fully know. There's a lot of speculations, but we don't fully understand. But this is the, the, the nature of the human will. You know, the human will can tell God, I don't want to have anything to do with you, I go my own way. And we should never do that, you know, it's always dangerous. Even if we are just doing it uh, because we, we want to push our, our own will, you know, never, never give in to the evil one. It's very dangerous. What we must understand is that when we separate us ourselves from the plan of God, when we separate ourselves from his will and cooperate with him, then we are on dangerous ground. And therefore, we need to keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our way, of our, of our journey, because he's the one who can get us towards our destiny. He's the one who can make us arrive at the place which he has prepared for all of us. And that's the wonderful thing. So God calls us to run with perseverance and with determination, and we need to remain in him, be able to accomplish. Even if we have uh, happens in this world, even if we have uh, a lapse, even if we have uh, a lack of, of understanding and a lack of strength, you know, we can always receive that from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So that's why we are called to run with perseverance, run to win, not to lose. You know, it is not uh, making any sense to start uh, the race, to start uh, walking with Jesus, and then halfway down the road, you stop it. No, if you have start started, you know, remember why you started. Remember the love of God that drew you out of darkness into his light, and, and, and renew your commitment to him. Now, when we look at scripture, we see that God will deal with all of us with love and discipline, okay? We have just been reading from the book of uh, Revelation chapter three, verse 17. Let me just highlight these few words, which are very, very important. You know, this is the, the church that really uh, Jesus does not find any recommendation to say this you have done well or this you have done well. All the other churches, they have at least some good things in their favor, but not Laodicea or Laodicea, okay? They are completely uh, disturbed in their, in their understanding of what God wanted them to do. So uh, Jesus is talking to them and he says, those whom I love, 
I rebuke and discipline. So we must understand that when God is rebuking us, when God is disciplining us, it's not because he hates us, but because he loves us. In fact, if he would hate us, he would just forget about us and say, they will crush anyway, so let him crush. But that's never the interest of the Lord. The interest of the Lord is that we are able to turn around. We can see that, you know, we struggle many times, okay? And just like in, I think uh, normally parents will love their children. Of course, there may be some, some exceptions to that rule, but normally children are loved by their parents. Am I right? And even if there are parents who don't love their children, that is not, uh, that is not applicable to God. God loves all of his children. You know, no matter how much they are, uh, difficult they are, or how, how, how opposite they may be at one time or the other, he still loves them. And that is true even for the people of uh, Laodicea, Laodicea, the Laodicean church. You know, Jesus points out all the shortcomings of their, of their life, but he still says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So in other words, Jesus came to them, he spoke to them, he spoke to them earnest words in order to correct them and help them to get back on track. And he told them, I may have to use rebuke, I may have to use discipline in order to get you to where I want you to be. It's important for us to understand what God says. In the book of Jeremiah, <clears throat> chapter 23, verse 25, we read a very interesting uh, word. God is speaking to Jeremiah, <clears throat> and he says, I've heard what these prophets say who prophesies lie in my name. Okay, just, just for your information, there are people who call themselves prophets, but they are liars. Okay? And in fact, Scripture also tells us that as we come closer towards the end, there will be more of those people. And of course, I think we see that. So I've heard that what the prophets say who prophesy lies in my name. They say, I had a dream. I had a dream. How long will this continue in the hearts of these lying prophets? who prophesies the delusions of their own minds, okay? I'm sure they are convinced that they are saying the right thing, but they are the delusions of their own minds. Now, it's very difficult to deal with somebody who is having a delusion in his mind. Will my people, will make my people forget my name? Just as their fathers forgot my name through Baal worship. You know, what we're seeing here is, is really something that we have to be fully aware of. The worst thing that we can do is mix our faith with religious exercise. And you know, the, the contemporary church has become so religious. And I want you to understand, and I've said this before, you know, our faith has nothing to do with religion. If somebody asks me, which religion do you belong to? I say none. I don't have a religion, okay? I don't belong to a religion. I'm neither that nor the other. I belong to Christ. You know, this is a relationship that I have uh, accepted when Christ called me out of darkness into his light. So, you know, this is the problem that we have today. The devil is very clever to give us false dreams to make the people forget God. You know, they follow all kinds of other things. And you know, the, the one thing that we see very easily is that there is a lack of understanding, a lack of knowledge about the Word of God. People are saying things that are completely contrary to Scripture, and they still believe it. Even if you point out uh, about their, their, their error, they will get annoyed with you. No, this is, a, this is a man of God, you know? Man of God, come on, okay? If they are telling lies, they are not men of God, okay? But they are liars. And this is what God himself says. 
Okay, they prophesy the delusions of their own minds. <clears throat> then God says, let the prophet who has a dream tell his dream. Okay, so he said, carry on, you know, because this is the will of people, of human beings. So those who are in the business of telling dreams and telling their del delusions of their own mind, okay, let them carry on. We can't fight them, and it's not our, our business to fight them. But then he says, but let the one who can be able to uncover the lie, which can defeat the lie, which can defeat the power of darkness that is behind all of this uh, business. Then God says, for what has straw to do with grain, declares the Lord. Okay, we all know grain is growing on uh, uh, you know, it, it has got the, 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 the stem where it's eventually growing on. And what you're seeing first, of course, is the, is the stem. It's not the, the, the final grain, you know. Uh, but when finally the harvest has come, then the straw or the chaff uh, must be separated from the grain because the value that you want to uh, harvest is not the straw. Okay, straw may be used for something else, but the chaff is useless. You know, it, it must be blown off by the wind. And, uh, and God is very clearly saying, what has the one to do with the other? Okay, we need to go for grain, declares the Lord. And he says, is not my word like fire, declares the word, and like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. Very interesting. You know, the chaff usually is being burned. The grain is being taken into the barn. And, and, and God is, is, is very, uh, very determined to make us understand that the chaff and the, and the grain has to be separated. The straw and the grain has to be separated. They are not having the same destiny. Okay, and this is what we must understand as people of God. When God comes our way and he may discipline us or even rebuke us, it is because he wants to remove the chaff. Okay, he wants to remove the stuff that is not going to be of help, but it's actually going to, uh, to, to hinder us from really uh, going for that which is valuable. <clears throat> so if we fail the lessons of God, he will take us back to learn the same lesson. You know, if, if you are saying, ah, it's like I'm a, in a loop. It, I'm going back always to the same thing. And, you know, if you're not learning the lessons, God will over and over again. It's because you have not learned tests that you're not qualified. You have not, you, have not uh, uh, you know, stood the tests that we were given at the end of that, of that uh, loop. Because God wants us to progress. And I want to tell you, God is not just a, a God of two or second chance, as we usually hear people say. God is a God of 100 chances, okay? If we fail, he will bring us back to where we have failed and makes us go through that loop again until finally we learn that lesson. No longer, no matter how long that will take. <clears throat> So we must learn not to look at ourselves and our own ability. We must not look at our life in our own light. That's very dangerous, you know, because we can all have the opinion, I'm a good person, okay? But then the question is not whether you think you're a good person. The question is, what does God think who you are? Okay, like there was an interview where a certain gentleman was interviewing a lady, and she said, I'm a good person, okay? And so he asked her, okay, have you, what about lying? Have you ever lied? Yes, of course. Have you ever uh, stolen? Of course, yes, I did. And so he went through, through some of the things. And uh, at the end he said, but you, you still think that you're a good person? She said, yes, of course, I'm a good person. I don't mean evil for anybody. But she has confessed she's a liar. She is a, she's a thief. Okay. Now, you see, God doesn't look at us in our lights. He looks at us in his light, in his righteousness and holiness. And you see, that is what God is busy working out in our life. You know, this is what he did 
in every one of the churches that he was writing to in the, uh, in the book of um, Revelation. You know, he always points out, but this I have against you, but this you need to change. And that is what he's doing in our life as well. Okay? We may say, just like the Laodiceans, okay, I'm rich, I don't need anything. But you're only looking at things in your own light, up the pulse and the, and the, and the health of that, of that church. And, you know, they are saying, you know, it's like a, some, a patient comes to the doctor and says, I'm, I'm very much okay. I have no problem whatsoever, you know. And this patient says, I'm rich. I've acquired wealth. I do not need a thing. Okay? But then the doctor says, but you do not realize that you are wretched, that you are pitiful, that you are poor, that you are blind, that you are naked. So that is the reality check. You know, that is, that is the real uh, diagnosis. You know, I have a, a brother-in-law, he's a medical doctor, and he says the worst patients are those who come to him and say, I know what my problem is. Okay. And then they tell the doctor, no, I, I know the issues. Just give me that, that drug or that drug. You know? You, you, you may have uh, an idea what you think, but uh, you need to allow the expert to do his diagnosis. Okay? And that's what God does here. God is the expert. He gives a proper diagnosis. So the true picture of the life of the Laodiceans is, 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 uh, is devastating. You are wretched, you're blind, you're pitiful, you're naked. <clears throat> so we must understand that we find everything that we require in our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, uh, Jesus offers them to buy gold refined by fire, okay? Everything that they need is available in Christ. And it's very important that we understand not to uh, diagnose ourselves, but to allow him to diagnose us and then go for the medicine that he offers, okay? And he has got the perfect medicine. So we require to find the tree of life that is Christ and eat from that tree of life. Then things will change in our lives. Now, God has determined that he, okay, because the, the, the aim that Jesus has is to make us glorious. He wants to present us as a church to himself, okay? And his standard is very, very high. His standard is righteous, righteousness and holiness. His righteousness is not compared with what we in this world call righteousness. Now, Scripture says <clears throat> he is going to make us holy and clean, the church. He's going to make the church holy and clean, washing her by the cleansing of God's word. Now, this is a very important part, you know. God is applying the word of God, and that's what we're doing today. That's what we're doing when we read our scriptures at home. You know, we are allowing the word of God to come as a cleansing agent. You know, it's better than any soap in this world. Uh, the word of God is giving us a clarity of who we really are. It's giving us the mirror where our dirt is found. And, and, and God is busy working these things out. Now, we must understand that often we, we think we don't need that, okay? Many of us, we think we don't need that. Remember, Peter was a very self-confident guy, okay? He, he thought what applies to others does not apply to him. Remember when he said, I'm going to protect you if everybody, did, uh, you know, is going to betray you, if everybody leaves you, I will not. And he was convinced of that. But Jesus knew the reality. He could see that this was just posturing. It was not really having foundation in his heart. So Peter was convinced in his own ways. Again, later on, he says, or he says to Jesus, when he is washing the feet, 
He says, no, no, you don't need to wash my feet. Okay? Now, Jesus washed the feet of his disciples because they needed that. And, you know, we all need the washing of Jesus, you know, the washing by the word that he is applying in our lives constantly. And the righteous that he felt, you know, whatever Jesus is suggesting, uh, he knows better. And that's very dangerous because we don't know better than Jesus. So Jesus said, if you refuse, then you will have no part of me. Okay, then Peter thought again. And Jesus said, but I have already washed you, you know. You're already clean through the word. And you know, this is very important. God cleanses us by the word. But we are in touch with the world through our feet, okay? And we have to understand that spiritually, we are in touch with the world and we can very easily pick up some dirt here and there. And Jesus says, that's why I'm coming to you and I cleanse you with the washing of the word. That is what God is doing in his in his love to every single one of us. You know, when we come together, he is washing us with the word so that every spot and wrinkle can be able to to eventually be eradicated. Now, Jesus gently deals with those stains, okay? He's not not harsh to, to Peter, but he just says, you know, if you don't want, then you have no part in me. Now, we all know that when Jesus told Peter that you are going to deny me three times before the, the, the rooster is crowing, you know, uh, Peter said, that's impossible. It will not happen. And it happened. And later on, Jesus comes back to him. You know, in the next opportunity, they come and meet together. He sits, Jesus, he sits, uh, Jesus sits Peter down and begins to talk to him. Let me read that from the book of John, chapter 21, verse 15. Okay, remember that is the time when the uh, disciples had gone fishing and they didn't fish anything, and Jesus told them, you know, uh, capacity. And then Jesus was recognized by John and, told, and, and John told Peter, it's the Lord. And, and, and Peter ran to Jesus because, you know, somehow he had need to 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 clarify certain issues in his life. So after breakfast, so Jesus had breakfast with the disciples. He had actually put a fire. He had uh, even prepared breakfast without even the fish that that they were bringing. Jesus had already prepared breakfast. And after breakfast, uh, Jesus says to, to Peter, Simon, Okay, Simon is the other, the first, the original name of Peter. Peter is the name that Jesus gave this man. Okay, said Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Okay, can you imagine, can you understand where this is going? Because this Peter said, I'm better than everybody else. You know, I can defend you when everybody is leaving you. Now Jesus is asking him the question, do you love me more than your friends here? Because you are the one who is claiming I'm, I'm better, isn't it? And uh, John is, uh, Peter is answering, yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Very fast, okay, very fast. Of course, that's a good answer, you know. Nothing wrong with that answer. Unfortunately, Jesus is not done with him yet. Okay, he takes him into the loop. He is repeating the same lesson again. Because, you know, if you have such a question and, uh, you know, you, you, you are required to give an answer, of course, it's very easy to say, yes, Lord, I love you. How many times did you say to somebody, I love you, when actually you have got some grudges against such a person? Am I right? Okay, have you, have you told people uh, when they asked you, you know, or when, when there is this question, do you really love me? Have you told them, no, I actually have a grudge against you? You know, we, we, are, we don't want to be honest. We, we are quick to cover up. We, we want to say what people want to hear, okay? Then feed my lambs. 
Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, what would be the, the point of repeating the same question? Jesus wants Peter to learn a lesson, not to just be quick in saying something, but really, you know, probe his heart. And Peter again said, yes, Lord. Peter said, you know I love you. Okay, this time, he doesn't just say I love you. Uh, this time, he says, you know I love you, okay? Okay, he said this the first time as well, but you know, uh, it's very easy. But this time, you know, he, he realizes, why did Jesus ask me that question again? Okay, remember he denied him three times. Then Jesus said, take care of my sheep. A third time, he asked him. A third time. Now, the same question, the third time. You know, if you, somebody asks you the same questions a third time, <clears throat> you think this man or this woman is not, is not understanding what he or she has been asking me, or maybe there must be more behind that, okay? So a third time, and because Jesus is not, is not uh, uh, somebody who asks questions without purpose, he has a purpose, he knows what he is trying to achieve. So the third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. I'm asking you, why was Peter hurt? because he came face to face with do you love me you know that was a black spot in his life that was a stain in his life that was a, an area that needed to be cleansed and that's why you know Peter was hurt and let me tell you Jesus is very insistent on certain areas of our life if there is a wrinkle if there is a spot if there is a blemish Jesus will not just go over and say okay it will it will just go away by itself. No, it will not. He will actually keep coming back to it. And that's why, you know, when you are in a loop and you have to repeat things over and over again and you wonder, why am I in this situation? I've, I've been in this situation last year. I've been in this situation two years ago. I've been in this situation three years ago. Then you must understand that you are not learning a lesson that God wants you to learn. Okay. You must understand that there is a, there's a spot in your life, there's a wrinkle in your life, and, and, and that needs to be resolved. So, of course, Peter is becoming hurt. He's hurt because there is something hidden in his heart that didn't show up when he was asked the first time, do you love me? Of course, he said, oh, of, course, of course I do love you. The second time, yes, I do love you, you know that I love you. And the third time, that spot was hit, okay, where it pains, okay? You know, when you have uh, some, some growth somewhere or something in your, in, your, in your body, and then you press against it, then it's paining, isn't it? You know, maybe the first time you touch it may not even pain. The second time, okay, it may not even pain, but if you're really pushing on it, then it pains. So... The past has to come out. It has to be cleansed. Okay? And this time, Peter, through this hurt, uh, he's saying, Lord, you know everything. Okay? So he accepts, you know my shortcoming. You know my hurt. And he, 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 tells, he tells the Lord, you know that I love you. Then Jesus says, then feed my sheep. The Bible says he sent his word and healed them. So the, 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 the word of the Lord is a washing, okay? Is a, is, a, is a time of recovery of that area of, 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 of pain or of a black spot in our life. And then Jesus says, okay, take, then feed my sheep. 
And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. And of course, that was evident in the life of Peter. Every time there was something, he was number one to jump forward and say, hey, this is, this is me, okay? And Jesus says to him, but when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. And Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. So, you know, Jesus was doing his engineering, you know, through his word. He was touching the, 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 the wrinkle, the, the spot in the life of Peter that was requiring a transformation. And he sent his word, you know, and healed him. And that's what God wants to do in every one of our lives. So when God repeats a certain word, don't say, oh, I've heard this before. No, there's a reason for it, okay? Because God looks deeper than us. God does not just have a, a surface kind of understanding about ourselves. He knows us deeps inside of our heart, and he wants to transform that very spot and wrinkle that is still there in each and every one of us. So the word of God says that he's making the church holy and clean, washing her by the cleansing with the word of God. Okay? When God, okay? I've heard somebody say to uh, a preacher, don't, don't always preach messages that hurt us, you know? Preach messages that bring us uh, joy, okay? If you are trying to have messages that bring you joy without dealing with the hurt, without dealing with the trouble inside, then the joy is not going to last. Your joy must come from having the problems resolved in your life, okay? And then we can really rejoice in the Lord. So God wants to guide us by his words. Okay, as we have seen last week, he wants to guide us with his eyes. That means guide us by his word. Okay. If we do not listen, then he will rebuke us. Okay, and uh, that is often much more painful. You know, when he comes with rebuke and discipline, just like he told the, uh, the Laodiceans, uh, then that is, that is painful. So there are always these two alternatives. There's no gray area in between. You cannot say, Lord, I'm happy with the, the, the way I live my life, so just leave me alone. No, you are either coming into holiness and righteousness, or you are not having any part of him. Okay? That's what Jesus told uh, uh, Peter. If you are not allowing me to do my work in your life, even washing your feet, you have no part of me. Okay? And that is painful. So this process is required. It's necessary. If we are stubborn and can't observe the lead of the Lord, then he may have to be more harsh in, our, in the treatment of our lives because he still accepts us as children, okay? And uh, the, the Bible is very clear that as children of the Lord, we are in his hands. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 5 says, And have you forgotten the word of encouragement that, that, that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes everyone he, accept, he accepts as son. Okay? Now, punishment is not the first choice of Jesus. The first choice is you tell your child and the child obeys and you're happy. That's the first choice, even in our own homes, isn't it? I mean, those of you who had or have children, you know, wouldn't it be nice if you tell your children and the, very, the first time they says, yes, mom, yes, dad, and they do it. Hey, wouldn't it be nice? Then you wouldn't need to apply discipline. You wouldn't need to apply rebuke. But if we don't do that, 
then, of course, we can bring God's judgment upon our lives. Okay? <clears throat> God is dealing with our old nature. And, and, and when he's dealing with our old nature, he has to judge certain things to be anathema. That means they're they are off limit. We can't, we can't remain like that. Okay? That's why Jesus tells us in his word many times that we should take off our old garment, our old nature, and take on the new garment. Okay? If we do that without, without uh, resistance, then, you know, we will see the, the love of God really showering our lives in a wonderful way. But if we are resisting, if we think we don't need it, then he will have to apply discipline. And discipline is always uh, a little hard to take, you know. Most of us, we don't like discipline. Even so, discipline is good. I mean, now we have the Olympic uh, Games in, 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 in Beijing, and those people who are uh, studying, every one of them, they had to undergo a, a very rigorous discipline for them to be where they are. They would not be able to be there. They would not be able to be studying for their respective teams if they would not have disciplined their own lives, okay? Discipline their timetable, discipline what they eat, discipline themselves in every single uh, area of their life. They did that. And that's why they are where they are. And they may even win medals because they have disciplined themselves. And you know, this is exactly what the Word of God tells us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 31, the Bible says you, you, you find out yourself, hey, this was not good. You know, if you have said something that was not right, you know, judge that thing that was not right, uh, correct it, go to the person you spoke to and say, I'm sorry, that I should not have said. Okay? So if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. Okay? And that's why, you know, we are uh, coming to celebrate the Holy Communion on a regular basis because the Holy Communion is a time of, of introspection where we look at our lives, where we judge ourselves. And when we discover something is not right, we deal with it. Because when we deal with it, then God doesn't have to deal with it. Okay? Very easy. This is 1 Corinthians 11, 31. But 32 says, when we are judged by the Lord, that means if we have failed to judge ourselves, then we are judged by the Lord. Then we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. Okay? So in other words, the judgment that God allows us to experience, if we don't judge ourselves, is to make us safe from the final judgment that eventually comes over the whole earth. Okay? We should not be judged with the same kind of judgment as the world without God is going to be judged. But if we are not allowing God to judge us or even judge ourselves, then eventually we cannot run away from that judgment that comes for us to, to, to the whole world. And that's what we must recognize. So when God is pointing out something, it's because he loves you, because he, he wants to, to protect you from the danger of being lost, of being cut off from his grace. That's what his desire is all about. So, you know, God is very busy working in our lives. And, you know, uh, I have unfortunately seen that some people are not very open to correction, not very open to uh, guidance, not very open to the Word of God. And if they are stopped, <laughs> at least you know yourself, you know. But, but I've seen some people you know, who for the better part of a year of more than a year or two years or three years are re resisting the change that God is bringing to them. Okay, and you know what, what is going to happen? And I've seen that happening. Is that God brings judgment. Some judgment may be very, very tough. But you know, God will do whatever it takes to help us out of that misery that we have maneuvered ourselves into. And sometimes if God cannot be hurt because we are too stiff-necked, then God will have to do things that 
he may not want to do, but as a righteous judge has to do. I mean, just look at the people of Israel. God did not want the people of Israel to be, uh, to be left in the desert for 40 years. Uh, you know, turn their rounds every, every now and then. You know, these are people who were repeating, 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 and never learned, never learned. And so they were in the desert for 40 years. And only after all these people who had rebuked or refused God to enter, to, to the invitation to enter into the promised land. They said, no, we're not going to do that. You know, this is a final. We, you, you can tell us whatever you want. We're not going to do that. And yet, that was the very purpose for them to come out of Egypt so that they would go into the land of promise. Okay? Now, if you come out of Egypt and you don't want to go in the land of promise, you could have just as well remained in Egypt. So God had no choice but to apply discipline, apply judgment. And the reality was they never entered into the rest of God, as even the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews. They never went where God wanted them to go. Very sad. And God doesn't want you to fall into the same trap. Okay? That's why we need to keep our hearts soft. That's why we need our mind and consider what he says so that we can be able to do the right thing. Psalms 139, verse 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. This should be our prayer. Okay? So we should be ready for the verdict. We should be ready for the diagnosis when Jesus speaks to us. Search my heart, O God. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. This should be our, our position, no matter what we go through. In Psalms 101, <clears throat> David says in verse 5, or let me read from, let me read the whole psalm. <clears throat> David says, I will sing of your love and justice, Lord. I will praise you with songs. I will be careful to live a blameless life. Okay? He says, I will be careful to live a blameless life. Now, we know David. He has not always managed. But he had that desire. And it's good to have that desire, okay? When will you come to help me? I lead a life of integrity in my own home. I will refuse to look at anything vile or vulgar. I think that's a message for today. You know, because there are so many vile and vulgar things that are presented to us on our television screens or on the cinema screens or in, our, in, in, in the... In the uh, video games that we are allowing our children to play, you know, if there is anything vile or vulgar, cut it out. Please, there's no compromise. You know, consider the, the toys that you're buying your children. If you're buying your children guns, you are to blame. Remove all of these things. All the vile and the vulgar things, they must be removed in our lives. So, Jesus says, I will refuse to look at anything vile or vulgar. I hate all who deal crookedly. I will have nothing to do with them. You know, it's good sometimes to make uh, a stock take of your relationships, of the friendships that you are entertaining. What are, what are the friends that, that you have? You know, if there's anybody who is wicked, evil, or vulgar, and you don't have an an opportunity to see a change in them by you speaking into their lives, then you should separate from them. Okay? It's not that you're separate from everybody, but look for friends that can build you up. So, uh, David says, I hate all who deal crookedly. I will have nothing to do with them. I will reject perverse ideas and stay away from evil. Okay? That should be our, our bottom line, you know, to stay away from evil. And then verse 5 says, I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. 
I will not endure conceit and pride. Are we, are we always raising our voice when we hear such things happening? Maybe even in our own home? I will search for faithful people to be my companions. Hey, that's very good advice. Can you, can you try, you know, to exchange some of your friends? You know, those are vile or vulgar or, you know, have no, no uh, good things to add to your life. Remove them. And find companions who are faithful, who are able to bring value into your life. Only those who are above reproach will be allowed to serve me. That's a powerful word. Only those who are above reproach will be words that even God would echo, you know, because God will not allow anybody to serve him with dirty hands. So I will not allow deceivers to serve in my house and liars will not stay in my presence. My daily task will be to ferret out the wicked and free the city of the Lord from their grip. That's a powerful prayer, okay? I want to encourage you to not only just read this prayer, you know, but apply that prayer to your own life. You know, go back to this psalm every now and then and read it over and over. And check yourself out. Am I doing exactly that? So God's word is guiding us. If we take him by his word, the guiding is very easy. If we are not following his words, then there will be rebuke. Then there will be judgment. The the Bible says the word of God is a hammer. Okay? If there is anything that is hard, too hard in our lives, he's going to smash it into pieces. Okay? The word of God is a double-edged sword, sword as we are reading in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. And God applies the tool that is required in your life to remove the spot and the wrinkles and the, and the hard places that are inside of our hearts. Okay? If you are removing the, the, the rock that is that is uh, making people stumble and fall, then God doesn't need to come with a hammer, okay? But if you don't remove it, then he's coming with a hammer and it will be very, very painful. So don't wait for the hammer. Do what is required in your life, okay? So God uses different tools to get his job done. You know, he leads us into path of righteousness, okay? The purpose of our theme this year is that we seek the Lord's so that we get understanding of who we are and that he can come and help us in our lives. So God will not spare any effort, not even the rot. Okay, you know Psalm 23 says your your stuff and your rot comfort me. Even if I walk through the valley of the darkness, you know, I know you are with me. And your rod and your, your staff comfort me. So in other words, when you are walking through darkness, even the rod which pains you, you know, can be an encouragement because you know God has not given up on you. He's going to lead you into the place where God has prepared a table in the presence of all your enemies. So Jesus will transform us into his glorious church. Okay, he will do that. Sometimes I wonder how. (laughs) And we don't really know how because God is God. But he will. He will manage to present ourselves to be holy and righteousness without stains or wrinkles or any fault. He will be able to transform us. He will not fail. God is building his church to be glorious and to be radiant. That's what he is going to accomplish. Okay, he will not come back to the father and says, I'm going to marry, and then that that bride is full of dirt. That will not work. No, he will deal with her, and he's presenting this bride to himself 
as holy and righteous, without spot or wrinkles or any blemish at all. Now that is something that I believe we as human beings cannot fully grasp because we know our human nature. We know that even as Christians, we have that old nature that still pops up every now and then. But God says, let me do it. I will do it. I will manage it. Okay? He came into this world to be our bridegroom. And he has that he will do every year still in this world. Okay? Just imagine God would have died, uh, Jesus would have died at the cross of Calvary, and then everybody who just raised their hands says, oh, I, I love you, we would have come uh, to be with him. Oh, we would have caused confusion. In fact, we may not have survived. That's why God says, no, okay, you stay where you are. You prove your dedication. You prove your life in God. You, you deal with the issues that are deep down in your heart. You begin to judge the things that are not right. Just like David says, you know, I, 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 can't, I can't have these things in my life. Search me, O God. Okay? Create in me a clean heart. You know, that is the, the psalm that uh, David wrote after he committed uh, adultery in uh, Psalm 51. Search me. Search my heart, O God. Okay, create in me a clean heart. Because he knew he could not do it himself. But God can do it. And so I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, God is a wonderful God. God is a loving God. Even in the in the case of applying discipline or rebuke, it is just because he loves you too much and he doesn't want to lose you at all. So remember, God is bringing us up as the righteous and radiant church. And let us make this our prayer. Create in me a pure or a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Okay? Only God can do that. There are things we can never accomplish by our own strengths. And that's why Jesus says, I'll make you victorious in Christ. Okay? That's why we are encouraged to look up to him the author and the finisher of our faith. That is why we should be fed by the word of God constantly. House of God. God sent his words to heal us. And the healing is not just the scratches on your skin or maybe the cancer in your, in your body, but the healing is really deep down in our psyche, you know, in our, in the sea. God sends his word and heals us from within. Okay? He does all of this because he loves us. He laid down his life so that he can present us holy and righteous before his Father in heaven. May God bless you. And may you allow, and we all allow God to do his work inside of us. Amen. Let us pray. Lord our God, we thank you so much for this everlasting love that you display to us in such wonderful ways. Lord, you have laid down your life because you loved us. You didn't want us to let us run into our, into our judgment, but you have come to Lay down your life. Bring us salvation. Shed your blood. And Lord, that blood avails for us. That blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness and sin. Lord, it's your obedience that is able to transform us into not just children of God, but sons of God. And Lord, I pray, let us be grown-up sons. 
Let us be sons that are able to deal with the shortcomings in our lives. Lord, let us be able to judge ourselves so that we will not be judged. Lord, I pray, give us the grace to deal with those spots and wrinkles in our lives. And when you come and touch them, help us, Lord, to recognize that you mean well. Help us not to accuse you because we don't understand we can be, be able to complete the job, that you will be able to make us holy and righteousness in every way, and that we can be able to join the family of God and be in the presence of our Father in heaven who is holy and who is righteous because we are also seeing you making us holy and righteous. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, continue your work in us. That's our prayer. And everyone say, Amen. Amen. Amen.